Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. You should be able to find it in your pew Bibles on page 1,512, 1512. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it not fall away on account of Christ. How many of you ever struggle with doubt? few of you out there? Yeah, right here too. Perhaps you have a certain expectation of God that he fails to live up to. It could be that you, you have been praying for a, a certain thing, and yet as time goes on, it's as if he never even heard your prayer. And so you, you question God's goodness or his power or if he even exists. Maybe it's not a personal pain that causes you to wonder, but but you just look around at the world around you and, and see all the hurt. And you ask yourself, where is the justice? Why is this all-powerful God doing nothing about this? And so doubt creeps in, causing you to question your deepest convictions. If this is you, then, then know that you are in good company. For, for in the story we see today, even men like John the Baptist struggled with doubt. Well, it's been almost two months since we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, but after that short break, we've found ourselves back once again. And we've reached a section where, where we begin to see another theme emerge. In chapters 11 through 13, we, we witness this wide, rising wave of either disappointment in or opposition to Jesus. This, this one who was ushering in the kingdom of heaven was, was not turning out to be the, the Messiah that people were expecting. And this caused many to doubt that this Jesus was the one who was to come. For some, such as John the Baptist, this meant discouragement and confusion as he, as he looked to his Lord for some type of reassurance. For others, they would become embittered as they hardened their hearts against this one who did not meet their messianic hopes. But before we jump into all of that, let's, let's do a quick review. Now, if you recall, we had, we had left the story with Jesus sending out the 12 on his kingdom mission. They were to go to the lost sheep of Israel, proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near. 
But as he, as he sent them, he also gave them warning that there would be many people who would reject Christ's message, even to the point where they would persecute them, maybe inflict violence upon those who were preaching it. And this is made clear in, in Matthew 10, verse 24. It says this, A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a student to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? What Jesus was saying here is that, is that if they were going to attack him, then, the, then they would not hesitate to attack his disciples as well. And if history has proven anything to us, it's that those who are committed to the mission of God have a bright red target painted on their backs. From the blood of Abel to the, to the thousands of Nigerian Christians who, who just recently suffered, those who want to honor Christ may have to pay the ultimate price to do so. And during the ministry of Jesus, there was one such man who had been suffering the most for the cause of the kingdom. John the Baptist was the forerunner to our Lord. He, he was the one who paved the way for Jesus' coming. For, the, for the, the message that he preached was this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This man was a, a, a zealous man, zealous for God, not caring for the opinions of men. He, he was a man that would not back off, even in the presence of his enemies. And look at this passage from Matthew 3, verses 7 through 12. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Talk about making friends and influencing people, huh? I mean, the, the, the message that he preached was of this coming judgment, particularly for the corrupt leaders of Israel. Well, it wouldn't be long after this in chapter 4 that we see John being arrested. Just as Jesus was beginning his ministry, John was finishing his. I mean, think about it. You make enough people angry long enough, and there are bound to be consequences. Well, fast forward to chapter 11, and John was still sitting in that prison. Roughly a year had passed by, and this man was stuck captive by King Herod. Now, as we said earlier, Jesus had, he had sent out his 12 on mission. 
And yet, Jesus, he was not resting. He continued his ministry as well. Look at, look at verse 1 of our scripture for today. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Here we see the, the heart of Christ's ministry, teaching and preaching. Again, Matthew emphasizes the importance of proclamation. I mean, the greatest need in anyone's life is to be led into repentant faith in Jesus. And the means by which God produces those things is through his word. When, when you come to church on Sunday and, and you enter in those doors into the sanctuary, your eyes should be drawn to the center, right? To the altar. Right here. Well, what do we have displayed on this altar? Bible, an open Bible, right? There's, there's a reason that we put a Bible there. Because it is through God's word that we are formed into the image of Christ. And it is the preaching and the teaching of that word that needs to be central in our lives. For that was the main focus of Christ's ministry. But getting back to our story, when, when Jesus was in those towns of Galilee, when he was preaching and teaching, he had some guests. He received some messengers from John the Baptist. Look, look what those messengers say. Look at verses 2 and 3. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Here we see our first sign that, that people are beginning to doubt in Jesus. And is coming from an unlikely source in John the Baptist. What's going on here? Why is John having doubts? Wasn't he the one who, who recognized Jesus first as being the Messiah? I mean, look at, look at Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John was a witness to all of this. John recognized that Jesus was greater than him. I mean, what did he say? I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And he heard the voice from heaven. What did that voice say? This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John knew who this was. So why is he now asking Jesus, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? The answer lies in the fact that he had received a report on what Christ 
was doing. Well, what was Christ doing? He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He, he was preaching a message of repentance. A message that said the kingdom of God is near. Which, by the way, is the exact same message that John preached. Did John have a problem with this? Of course not. His problem wasn't with what Christ was doing. His problem was with, with, with what Christ wasn't doing. Namely, bringing about judgment. Where's the axe? Where's that winnowing fork? Where's the, uh, the unquenchable fire? How come Jesus wasn't setting people straight? Why wasn't he punishing those wicked leaders of Israel? You see, even John the Baptist, this one who had prepared the way for our Lord, he had misconceptions on how the Messiah should be acting. He was expecting more judgment and less patience and mercy. Let's be honest. What he, what he wanted was a Messiah that was more like him. What do you do when what you were expecting doesn't come to pass? Where do you turn when, when the God that you serve turns out to be different than who you thought he was? Will you still trust in him? Will you still believe I have often heard people say that I, I, I could never worship a God like that. And this, this typically gets expressed when, when a person is confronted with a, a portion of the Bible where God doesn't seem to fit that person's sense of morality. It could be the doctrine of hell or God's teaching on sexual purity. It may be the exclusivity of Christ that, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Whatever it is, there, there, there tends to be something about God that that person doesn't like, and so they reject him. How about you? What is it about God that you find disagreeable? What portion of, of Scripture do you read and then, and then say to yourself, if I were God? For John, God's, God's judgment and his, his justice just wasn't coming soon enough. Let's see how Jesus responds to, to John's disciples. Look at verses 4 and 5. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The death hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. Now these were things that John already knew about. One just has to look back through chapters 8 and 9 to, to see each of these things being done by Christ. John had already heard the reports. So, so why is Jesus saying this? Why is he conveying these things that John already knew? 
Because this isn't just a list of, of what he was doing. Rather, rather, Christ is pointing John back to all the messianic promises that we find in the book of Isaiah. Jesus was fulfilling these things as the Messiah. For instance, look at, look at Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Or look at Isaiah 26, verse 19. But your dead will live. Their bodies will rise. You who sleep in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. Or how about from our first scripture reading? Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. But there were other promises as well. Look, look at the verses right before that passage in Isaiah 35. Look at verses 3 and 4. Strengthen feeble hands. Steady knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution. He will come to save you. Or how about just after that passage in Isaiah 26? Look at verses 20 and 21. Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed upon her. She will conceal her slain no longer. Don't you see? It was supposed to be both. Not only the preaching of the good news, but divine retribution on all those who were God's enemies as well. Yet this Jesus came wielding mercy and not judgment. He came with the seeds of the gospel and not with an axe or a winnowing fork. This this is why John was having these doubts. His expectation of God's kingdom was not being met. Was John wrong when he preached about Jesus? Did, did Christ forget to bring his axe? No, John wasn't wrong when he described the Messiah. What he was wrong about was the timing. Judgment would come but it was being delayed. For the kingdom of heaven must first advance before justice is administered. And the only way for the, for the kingdom to grow is if there is some way that the sins of God's people can be taken care of. And this is the primary purpose of why Jesus came, so that he could fill the role of that sacrificial lamb. He came first to bring mercy and not judgment. And the only place that mercy can be found for sinners like us is at the cross where Christ bled for our sins and died a cruel death. 
You see, John, this, this man who baptized Jesus, this, this man who heard the voice from above, he had doubts. And all because Jesus wasn't doing things the way that, that, that John thought he should. Thank God that he didn't. For, for if Christ came with judgment first, then we would all be lost. The true Jesus, the, the true Messiah is so much better than the Messiah that John had envisioned. And the same is true about your doubts and my doubts, about your misconceptions and my misconceptions. When we see the, the, the suffering all around us and we wonder, where is God? When our prayers go unanswered and we begin to question God's goodness. When we read those things in the Bible, those words that cause us to cringe and, and say to ourselves, if I were God. These are the things that cause us to doubt in the character of our Lord. Whether it be his love or his mercy or like John, his justice. And just as John asked the question, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? We, too, question God when our expectations are not met. This is why Jesus answered the way that he did. For he wanted John to know that, that what was described in Scripture was being fulfilled, just not exactly the way that John wanted for the time of judgment had not yet arrived. But Jesus had one last word for this man who was in prison. Let's look at our last verse, verse 6. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. A word of blessing for this one who was suffering. A word of God's favor for this one who is being persecuted for Christ's sake. But it is more than just a blessing, for it is also a calling. John needed to come to grips with the fact that, that the justice of God would not be meted out in his lifetime. Look back again at, at Isaiah 61, verse 1. Only this, this time, let's... Let's look at the rest of that verse. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. If we stop right there, that is the last thing that, that Jesus gave to John in his message. Good news was preached to the poor. Let's read a little further. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Where was John? He was in prison, was he not? Could it be that this verse was on his mind? Jesus quoted the first half. Good news was preached to the poor. But the kind of prisoners that Jesus would release from darkness would be those who are held captive by sin and not those who are in physical chains. 
The calling upon John was to suffer a little while longer. And then die a martyr's death. Dear friends, this is the message of the kingdom. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John would have to put away his doubts and trust that this Jesus was the one who was to come. And you have to do the same. There are many who fall away on account of Christ, especially when he doesn't fit the mold of what they find acceptable. And instead of repenting, instead of putting away those doubts, they, they let those doubts fester until they end up rejecting their Messiah. And why? Because they want God on their own terms. Brothers, sisters, God doesn't come to you on your terms. You come to him on his. And when you have these doubts, when God isn't what you were expecting, and, it, and when it's causing you to wonder if any of it is even true, then remember the lesson that John learned, that the real Jesus, this Christ, he is better than any misconception that you may have. You may not understand why God does the things that he does, but that is where faith comes in. You must trust that he knows better. You must believe that, that, that he works for the good of his people. John the Baptist would only find release from his chains at the swing of an axe. And yet, because of what Christ did for him, he now stands forgiven and free. And the same is true for you. Turn away from your doubts and turn towards Jesus. Put your faith in him, for he truly is the one who was to come. Let us pray. Father, we confess to you that too often we, we question your goodness and doubts arise in our hearts. Help us to repent. Help us to have faith. May your Holy Spirit comfort us when, when the expectations we have are not met. And may we look to the one, your son, who came to us first with mercy rather than judgment as he died for our sins. May we not fall away on account of him. We pray this in his name. Amen.